Okay, let's, uh, if, if everybody can hear me, let's, uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Our precious Lord and Savior, Lord God Almighty, we are here to submit our hearts and minds to you for the opening up of your word. I pray that um, you would use the things that you taught me in preparation uh, for this lesson um, to be able to communicate them and that all of our hearts would be open to the joy, the um, understanding that's needed, and even the correction that may be necessary to make our lives more suitable to you, to be used by you. And I do pray it in Jesus' name. Well, the first thing I want to say is thank you. It looks like it's a good day to be out, and <laughs> we're a little bit, little bit short today, but um, some folks will probably show up. Um, I covered your prayers. Um, I didn't. I mentioned last week that I've, I'm dealing with another wound on the back of my my leg and so I appreciate your prayers for that that's going along really well but uh, before I came here to Grace Bible I, uh, I I went through I got my second COVID shot and immediately a, a week later I went into AFib and I, I was in AFib for almost a year before I could get a slot for a surgeon to do an ablation and uh, and it was they did it and um, um, they said you know it could last three or four years you know depending anyway a week ago two weeks ago yesterday I went back into AFib and so I'm I'm waiting now to have a an echocardiogram with my cardiologist he doesn't seem to be in a hurry and I I'm in the Lord's in the Lord's hands. And it's not going to stop me from pursuing this ministry uh, to the edification of the body. Uh, so now that there's only one thing uh, to anyway, I, I do I appreciate your prayers. I, I, I really do know that those uh, those prayers that, that, that will carry me, carry me through. Um, there's only one thing wrong with this first panel pastor's lost some weight <laughs> so he's still beautiful but what can I say and then even more gorgeous and this was taken a while back I have lost weight since this picture but I, I will confess I'm pretty good on a computer with Photoshop this is skinnier than the actual photograph <laughs> reveals but it's, I think it's a, it's a pretty good picture so anyway, today's topic in the Minor Prophets is Hosea, and his name means salvation. Uh, Hosea is probably one of the most interesting uh, books simply because of the, the, um, um, the paradoxes that we see in it. If you have any knowledge of, uh, of it, then you'll know who Gomer is 
um, and we'll we'll find out a little bit more about Gomer and what that was all about. Okay, this hasn't changed. Their timeline chart is still the same. Uh, the only thing is that you can you can see um, that. Um, we're getting toward the, if you're looking at the right-hand side of the chart where the northern uh, kingdom kings are, uh, Hosea's coming at the tail end of the, the um, just before the destruction of the northern kingdom and they're taken into captivity. So God's plan is always moving forward and he is always accomplishing. Good morning, everybody. His purpose. Now you have your the outline there on your uh, uh, bulletin insert, and it's broken down into two simple uh, portions. The one training of the prophet, and if you look down there underneath the picture of that tree, the teaching of the prophet. And um, the the important thing here is I put this image of what what's called a terebinth tree, and I, I didn't honestly know what a terebinth tree was. I've read it before, years past, but uh, I was, uh, with the magic of uh, the internet, when I was able to look it up and see what, what a terebinth tree looked like. But symbolically, um, it represents something that occurred that that was something that nobody in, who is a parent with daughters would want to know and that's what that scripture at the bottom says. It's paraphrased, Hosea 4.13. Under the shade of the terebinth, your daughters play the prostitute. And uh, um, I was talking to one of my best friends uh, the other day. And uh, he's been walking with the Lord his whole life. And he was, uh, I, I knew that his oldest son had gotten into difficulties um, with the law. He was a political activist, and he got arrested for some corruption charges. And also, um, he got caught trying to purchase drugs and whatnot. And so he spent four years in prison. And then what I didn't know was that, and I, I, I knew his son from when he was a little boy. What I didn't know was that his son has uh, become homosexual and he's got a, a, a live-in mate and then one of his grandsons, one of his daughter's sons is also a homosexual and has somebody that, that he's married to, I guess. And then two of his other grandsons down in the Victorville, Southern California area are, are living on the street because they can get their drugs and free and they, they can get uh, subsidies from the government free. And uh, um, so my friend was, was, was posed with the dilemma of, come on down for Christmas, mom and dad. Everybody's going to be there, including your son and his mate and your grandson. And, and, but it's wonderful because we're embracing them. And there was, so even their daughter... Uh, is, has rejected everything to do with the truth of the word of God. And and so when I see this here and and try, trying to discern the message of the Lord, it, it just breaks my heart because I have, I have 
grandchildren who have also moved away from their upbringing. And, and I know that if we had time to just talk and share, we, we, all, we all have broken hearts. Um, but the Lord is not slack in his promises. That's, that's what needs to be communicated. And he calls us to be faithful. He, he doesn't call us to be obstinate or, or hammering everybody into submission and, and that sort of thing. He, he, he just calls us to be faithful and honest and truthful and, and to speak the truth in love. And, and that's what this book here, it's all about. It's speaking the truth in love. And uh, I, I was also going to say at the very beginning, I think I can get through this book today. It's not a verse-by-verse verse study. It's, a, uh, it's an overview. Uh, but if I go off track like I just did, I don't know. <laughs> so and no excuses, no promises. Oh, hey, oh, come here. Come on up here. I need a hug. Come on, Grace, Eden. Come on, girls. These are my two great-granddaughters and one of my great-grandsons. Is it, is it Roman or Louis? Louis. Is that Louis? Come here, Louis. Hi, baby. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I haven't seen them in a year. And this is my, my granddaughter, Mary. Hi, sweetie. You're so pretty. Okay, go with Grandma and, and Mom. Okay, there's another sidetrack. <laughs> So here are the key verses. Uh, verse four, or chapter four, verse one. It says, "Listen to the word of the Lord, you sons of Israel, because the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land, for there is no faithfulness." Was I just talking about no faithfulness, no loyalty, nor knowledge of God in the land? And you can see the links between that verse and the next verse with the red and purple lines, uh, verse 14. So the people without understanding are ruined. So if we, don't, if we don't pursue knowledge of God, then we lack understanding and we're ruined. This is applicable across the board. Um, chapter 12, verse 6. So as for you, and here it is again, that call, Return to your God, maintain kindness and justice, and wait for your God, you ready? Continually. Continually. Now, one of, the, one of the primary focal points of this lesson is what's called the Shema. And I got a picture of a prophet who's holding up a passage of scripture in the Hebrew, which is from Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 5. And it says this, Hear, Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's because in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six to 38, a Pharisee asked Jesus, testing him, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said, and this is Jesus quoting the Shema, from Deuteronomy 6, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. 
that's really reassuring when you have an Old Testament principle confirmed by the Savior who is asked that, that pointed question. He is, in, say, in doing that, he is representing what I'm telling you about and what this passage is telling you about faithfulness and continually turning to the Lord. So I'm going to break it down. I'm going to go through these rather quickly because some of it's similar to what we've looked at before. So listen to the word of the Lord, you sons of Israel, because the Lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land, for there is no faithfulness, nor loyalty, nor knowledge of God in the land. So listen is an imperative. It means now hear the word and listen carefully. And, of course, the word is talking about what the Lord is giving to the prophet. And when we see the word Lord with those those capital letters in it, it's the word Yahweh. And in Revelation eleven seventeen, we know from the from the uh, interaction with Moses, uh, he's identified as the I am. And and so in Revelation eleven seventeen, it expands on that, the one who is, who was, and ever will be. And then uh, the the word of the Lord came because of his case against his his people. And the word against means a violation of the Shema. They were not putting him first. And he was wrestling with them over that. Prophet after prophet after prophet, not just the minor prophets, but even the ones we call the major prophets, came and were hammering on this this essential failure of, of the people of God to continually... Uh, acknowledge who God is and to follow him. And so he was, he'd been wrestling with them through the prophets. Um, and then it says, there is no faithfulness. And again, this is just emphatic negation. Faithfulness is non-existent. You can pretend, you can put on airs, you can put on a mask, you can, you can uh, have all the right, uh, things outside of your door but when you're in your house and you're worshiping sticks of wood or going up on the mountaintops to burn incense to false gods then that's the the true expression of your heart and and that that comes down to uh loyalty and knowledge of god and here the word god is used (coughs) which is elohim the one true God, and we'll have a look at what, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> a little deeper meaning of that later. So uh, these are those two verses that are uh, that are connected. The people without understanding are ruined. Goes back to what we just looked at, and it, it talks about the consequences of rejecting the Lord God, and they're ruined. And as far as as far as what it says there, I I won't delve out into it any any further. Um, as for you, return to your God. And then it talks about specifically, and these were things that were lacking in their their societal expression. Uh, they're called to maintain uh, kindness and justice and to wait for God. And and then uh, here below that, you can see in blue. The actual word order of this verse that we're looking at, 12.6, and it says this, and you can hear the emphasis, 
to your God return. Kindness and justice maintain to your God, to him continually. Okay? So, again, here's the word God, and it's plural. Uh, Elohim, the one true God, the creator. And I'm going to take us to Genesis 1, verses 1 and verse 26, that identifies Elohim. In the beginning, God created. And then in verse 26, then God said, let us make. So we can see the plurality. This is the first expression of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay? But the Shema is absolutely correct. God is one. There is no division. God is one. And then we're talking about kindness. This goes to God's character, his loving kindness, his justice, uh, and things that are to be maintained. So the note down there in Psalm 71, uh, be a rock of dwelling to me to which I may continually come. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this panel. Everybody here, I believe, has seen it. This is the panel that talks about what it means to find salvation. And it's not about physical sacrifice. The verse says, I do not delight in sacrifice. So all the temple sacrifices were just reminders of what a person's was supposed to happen in a person's heart, which is submission to God. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart, uh, a spirit, a broken and contrite heart. And we know that, that, that that's the act of God. What we need to do simply is to recognize that we're sinful beings. And, and before we come to God in total submission, and before repentance can occur, we have to recognize that our nature is sinful to the core. The wickedness is, is undefinable. Um, and, and there is no escape from the prison that we are in other than what God can do through Christ, our Lord and Savior. And, um, and, and that's to break our hearts and to cleanse us and then to take our sin, nail it to the cross, transfer his righteousness to us so that when we stand before him, he can look at us and Jesus could, can say, this is, this is my, uh, my brother. And God would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's where we all want to be. So true, true repentance reveals the response of God, which is his attribute of grace. Now, in your bulletins, you've got all of this stuff here that's on the screen, the theme, the purpose, the method. Um, and it, it's, it's pretty straightforward stuff. This is God's word against Israel because of the things we've been talking about. The purpose is, is simply to, to proclaim repentance there's two aspects of, to that, understanding that God is patient and loving, and second, to understand the inner contrition, the remorse for sin, which I just talked about. And his method is by threat and promise, uh, and, and his own dear child and covenant wife, which we'll learn a little bit about. Now, that picture, there is an actual picture of a, uh, a house idol, a, a bale, um, and it's from Hosea 4.12, the book we're looking at. Uh, they ask a piece of wood for advice. They think a stick can tell them the future. 
Longing after idols has made them foolish. They have played the prostitute, serving other gods and deserting their God. So when we turn our hearts and minds to other gods, that's when we play the prostitute as well. I don't have to define that word. And then Deuteronomy 27.15 said, Cursed is the person who makes a carved image an abomination to the Lord. We don't know a lot about the uh, uh, author. Some commentators have called them the St. John of the Old Testament, an apostle of love. Um, not a bad description. So this book is the sole source of information we have about him. We know his father, Beery. He was a native of the Northern Kingdom uh, and is determined by his, and that's determined by his knowledge of its history and geography. And in the book of Hosea, he dresses the king of Israel, the northern kingdom, as our king. Um, he was a contemporary with Amos, uh, Jonah, and uh, other, other prophets you can see on your, on your chart. The length of his ministry extended for 45 years, from 755 to 710 B.C. Kings of the southern kingdom were Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Of the northern kingdom, Jeroboam II, uh, Zechariah, and four others to Hosea. And um, Hosea 7 7 says, All their kings fall, and none of them calls on me. So their leaders were not helpful. And um, we can say, Ditto, America. A lot of people say that they believe in. God and yet their lives and their behaviors and their recommendations certainly don't measure up. So anyway, so uh, on the map there you can see that he's connected to the, the the territory that's identified on the map that you can see on your charts there, the Ephraim territory. There's a lot of different names on this map. If you want to get it and compare it with the other maps I've given you, there's a lot more names in the book of Hosea that I added to the map so this prophecy is directed to the northern kingdom specifically Ephraim the largest of the tribes uh, the king is Jeroboam the second who served for 41 years and this is a quote from second kings 1424 concerning him it says he did evil in the sight of the Lord he did not abandon all the sins of Jeroboam his father the son of Nebat into which he misled Israel. So this king misled his people. Um, because of pr their own prosperity, the judgment spoken and predicted by Hosea was scorned for 43 years during the course of his ministry. In addition, when Damascus fell, and that's, that's not northern Israel, but when Damascus fell the great, to the great power of Assyria in 732, it created concern but not repentance. And I mean, it's like the shadow of oppression, the shadow of, of invasion was hanging over them, but they went, oh, well, you know, we're, we're doing all right. We're strong. Let's go light some incense up on the high places. Then in 722 Samaria, the northern kingdom fell to the Assyrian Empire and the people were de deported. And that was it for the northern kingdom. 
<clears throat> so let's let's try to go through the text again. This is not every word that you would look at see in your Bible. This is an overview. So what I've done is I've, I've pieced together the essential um, aspects of it. You can see the image there of the prophet with the wife that he was commanded to take. And you can see the note under there. It's an actual event that is a rich metaphor of betrayal and restoration. So let's look at it as quickly as we can. The word of the Lord which came to Hosea. So we, not, we know it's not an invention of Hosea. It's the word of the Lord. The son of, of Beri during the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah kings of Judah, and during the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, he said to Hosea, go take for yourself a wife inclined to infidelity. That's somebody who doesn't honor the marriage vow. And take children of infidelity. For the land commits flagrant infidelity of banding the Lord. So we can see just in the wordage there that, that this bride is going to be a symbol of the actual activities of the people of Israel. Um, I will simply draw your focus to the uh, words, a wife inclined, encircled there. And I, I looked that up and I discovered, having been an English teacher for a long time and not knowing this, it was interesting to me, so I thought you might like to know it as well. Um, is a rhetorical device. It's called a prolepsis. Anybody else heard of that before? Prolepsis? Oh, good for you. Oh, I love that. Uh, anyway, it's, it's knowing something before it occurs. So God is well aware of what's going to be taking place. And he's doing it for a purpose. There's a lesson behind all of this. So he took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim. She conceived and bore him a son, a lot of images here. His name is going to be Jezreel. God sows a symbol of the massacre and bloodshed to come. What a great name to name a kid, right? The Lord said, name him Jezreel, for I will punish the house of Jehu for the bloodshed of Jezreel. Jezreel is actually a place as well that has the same reputation of bloodshed. And I will end the kingdom of the house of Israel. I break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter, Lo Ruhamah, which means no mercy. She has not obtained compassion. Another another uh, delightful, uh, kiss me on the cheek name for a child. The Lord said, name her Lo Ruhamah, for I will no longer take pity on the house of Israel that I would ever forgive them, but I will take pity on the house of Judah this is the southern kingdom, and save them, but will not save them by bow, sword, or horsemen. They too will be invaded. When she weaned Lohama, Ruhama, <laughs> she gave birth to a son. The Lord said, name him Lohami. And good old Lohami is named not my people. So there's, there's three. Every time they said their kids' names, it it brought up the truth of God's displeasure. The Lord said, name him Lo Ami, because you are not my people and I am not your God. 
Yet the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or counted. And where it is said, you are not my people, it will be said, you are the sons of the living God. The sons of Judah and Israel be gathered together and appoint for themselves one leader and go up from the land for the day of Jezreel will be great. And, uh, whoops, sorry. And the connection there between the Messiah and the one leader, it should be, it should be apparent. Chapter 2, and here's a note from MacArthur before we read in you know, chapter 2. Though the language is applicable to Gomer, that's the name of the, of the wife, it depicts a courtroom in which the Lord, as plaintiff, brings charges against the defendant, individual Israelites, depicted as children. Uh, depicted as the children, are, they are commanded to bring charges against their mother. Israel is a nation. Gomer's physical immorality depicts the spiritual idolatry of Israel. So let's go through this uh, quickly here. Just dispute with your mother. She is not my wife, nor I her husband. She must remove infidelity from her face and adultery from between her breasts. I will take no pity on her children of infidelity. She has committed prostitution. I will obstruct her way. I will uncover her lewdness, put an end to her joy, destroy her wealth, Punish her for her bales, because she forgot me, declares the Lord. Then I will restore your hope. You will call me your husband, uh, not Baal. I will make a covenant with you and betroth you forever in righteousness, justice, compassion. Then you will know the Lord. The land will be restored. I will say, you are my people, and you will say, you are my God. So right here, we have the images of the reasons for the destruction, and then the promise of the restoration. That, that's the beauty of this and the tension between this. You're, you're going to suffer the consequences of your sin, but your, your descendants will be rejoined with the Lord, and they will call me their God, and I will call them my people, and they will be restored. And even though Israel is back in the land today, we, we really don't see that linkage, of course, because it's not going to come until until the Lord returns again. Uh, and then in Revelation 3.19, it says, Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Chapter 3 highlights. The Lord said, Go again, love a woman who is loved by her husband, yet is committing adultery, as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. Hosea is commanded to pursue Gomer, illustrating God's love for faithless Israel. So I purchased I purchased her for 15 shekels of silver, a homer and a lethek of barley, and that's the equivalent of 30 pieces of silver, the price paid for a common slave. And, of course, we, we remember what how much Judah, Judas got for his betrayal as well. I said to her, you shall live with me for many days and not play the prostitute, nor shall you have another man so also be toward you. For the sons of Israel live for many days without a king or leader, without sacrifice or memorial stone, and without ephod or household idols. So this is saying that Israel would exist without benefit, benefit, 
of political and religious relations until the second advent of Christ. And so we're, we're talking about that span of time after Jesus' resurrection. And the, the, again, a, a second dark time for Israel. The first dark time was between the last minor prophet and John the Baptist. And we'll talk about when we get to our conclusion lesson. It's pretty, pretty good information on what happened during that period of time. Afterward, the sons of Israel return and seek the Lord. And again, here's the punishment versus restoration. Uh, And they will seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. Pretty clear pointing to when it's going to occur. And it cites the Davidic covenant as the ground of redemption and restoration there. Chapter 4, listen to the word, sons of Israel, because the Lord has a case against the inhabitants Excuse me, of the land. For there is no faithfulness, nor loyalty, nor knowledge of God. There is betrayal in oaths, lying, murder, stealing, adultery. They employ violence so that bloodshed follows bloodshed. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge and have forgotten the law. They gave up devoting themselves to the Lord. They consult wooden idols and are unfaithful, departing from God. They offer sacrifices on mountaintops and burn incense on hills. Your daughters play the prostitute and your brides commit adultery. And this is the image of incense. Men slip away with prostitutes and offer sacrifices with them. People without understanding are ruined. So this has a little context to those primary verses we looked at. People are going to idols. Men are going off to prostitutes. Um, just, just not anything that's recognizable as faithfulness to God, who is a moral being and requires his people to be moral in character. Practicing things like loving kindness and kindness. And mercy and justice, and instead they're doing just the opposite. Uh, Then it goes on. The Lord lives. Israel is stubborn. They prostitute themselves continually. And their rulers, and this is an image of uh, Jeroboam and the worship of the golden calf. uh, And their rulers love shame. They will be put to shame because of their sacrifices. Revelation 2.4. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. They certainly had done that. Chapter 5. Hear this, pay attention, Israel. Listen, for the judgment applies to you. So hear, pay attention, and listen. It's, it's, a, it's an emphatic triple command. Be aware. Because of your deep depravity, it's not hidden from me because you have been unfaithful, because there is a spirit of infidelity, and, and you do not know me, Those are three uh, aspects of the triple sin against the Lord. The Lord has withdrawn from them. Blow the horn in Gibeah and the trumpet in Ramah. Sound the alarm in Beth-Avon. On them I will pour out my anger like water because they were determined to follow man's command. Therefore, I am like a moth to Ephraim and like rottenness to the house of Judah. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his sore, Ephraim then went to Assyria. 
Now, this is interesting because they did eventually acknowledge the problem, but where did they go? Did they go to God? Did they go to their, their Lord? Did they follow the Shema? No, they followed man. They went to Assyria to try to solve the scope of their problem, seek answers and help for man instead of God. And, and sent word to King Jerob, but he is unable to heal you. I will carry you away, and there will be no one to rescue you. Judgment is assured, in other words. Seek the Lord. I will go away and return to my place until they admit their guilt and seek my face. In their distress, they will search for me. Psalm 10.4 is pretty explicit. The wicked do not seek him. There is no God in all his schemes. That is the wicked man. Chapter 6, come let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, but he will heal us. He will revive us, and here's the restoration. He will raise us up that we may live before him. Let's press on to know the Lord. His appearance is as sure as the dawn, and he will come to us like rain as the spring waters the earth. You know, the dawn is, is going to come every day, no matter what the doomsayers say out there. The sun will rise. It's not going to change. That, that's, that's the assurance of the Lord. So those verses I just read, they are future. Uh, at the millennial reign of Messiah, they show Israel's heart of repentance, the quickness and healing of restoration. Below it talks about the prior sins. What shall I do with you, Ephraim, Judah? Your loyalty is like dew which goes away early. Thus I have cut you in pieces by the prophets. Prophets have done their job. I have slain you by the words of my mouth. They came from me through the prophets to you. And judgment is on you like the light that shines. I desire loyalty, not sacrifice. Knowledge of God, not burnt offerings. That goes back to that idea of repentance and restoration. But you have dealt treacherously with me in our, your wrongdoers with bloody footprints and acts of infamy. Israel has defied itself. Also, Judah, there is a harvest appointed for you. Proverbs 1, those verses, they will not find me for they hated knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Chapter 7, the wrongdoing of Ephraim and Samaria is uncovered for they practice deception. I remember their wickedness and lies, adulterers. The king became sick with the heat of wine and join the scoffers. Their hearts are like an oven plotting. Their anger smolders all night. In the morning it burns like a flaming fire. All of them are hot like an oven. They consume their rulers. All their kings have fallen. And that, that's a, a good note to remember. Four of Israel's last six kings were murdered by usurpers. If you're coming on Wednesday nights, you've learned that. So come on Wednesday nights. Uh, Ephraim has become a round loaf, not turned over. Have you ever put a, a bread in an oven and baked it and then didn't turn it over? What happens to the bottom? Just throw it away. It's no good anymore. Um, strangers devour his strength, yet he does not know it. The pride of Israel testifies against him. Yet they have not returned to the Lord, nor have they sought him despite this. Like a gullible dove, they called to Egypt, Assyria. I will discipline them in their assembly. Woe to them. They have strayed from me. Destruction is theirs. They have rebelled. I would redeem them, but they have spoken lies against me. They do not cry to me from their hearts. 
They do not cry to me from their heart, and I've emphasized from their heart. They turn against me. They've done sacrifices, but they don't turn from their heart. They devise evil instead. They turn. Yeah, they're doing something. They turn, but it says, but not upward. You have to turn to God. You have to turn to the Lord God. Philippians 3.14 reminds us in the church, press on toward the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Chapters 8 and 9. The enemy comes against the house of the Lord because they have violated my covenant and rebelled against my law. They have made idols for themselves. Your calf is not God. They have gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey. They sacrificed flesh, but the Lord has taken no delight in them. And and Judah has multiplied fortified cities. This is where Judah comes into the picture very clearly. It's, of course, directed to the northern kingdom, but now it also embraces the failure of the southern kingdom. Do not rejoice, Israel. You have been unfaithful. Your sacrifices do not please me. Stop sacrificing to God anything but your heart. Turn your hearts to God. Turn upward, not outward. Don't go to to other sources besides those sources that God provides, himself being the the top of the line. Do not rejoice, O Israel, you have been faithful. Your sacrifices do not please me. The days of punishment have come. Woe to them indeed when I depart from them. My God will uh, reject them because they have not listened to him, and they will be wanderers among the nations. We, We know that the great dysphoria is the Jews wandered amongst the nations for century after century after century. Proverbs 10.30, the righteous will never be shaken, but the wicked will not live in the land. Hallelujah, Lord. Chapter 10, Israel is a luxuriant vine. He produces fruit for himself. The more his fruit, the more altars he made. That's not right. The richer his land, the better he made memorial stones. You want to, you know, if you're wealthy, you can buy good memorial stones. Their heart is deceitful. They must suffer for their guilt. What is their guilt based on? It's based upon their opulence, their complacency, their deception, and their lack of judgment, for one, and their mis- misapplication of justice under that same heading. The Lord will break their altars and destroy their memorial stones. They speak worthless oaths and judgment sprouts like poisonous weeds. Boy, the imagery is so clear. I mean, I couldn't even uh, comment on that further. Samaria will fear for the calf of Beth Avon and mourn for it. It'll be destroyed. Israel will be ashamed. Samaria will be destroyed. The high places of Avon. Uh, Avon was a place that was in, infamous for its high places where the sacrifices were made to Baal and worshiped to Baal. Um, You have sinned and are bound for double guilt. Sow for yourselves with a view to righteousness. Harvest in accordance with kindness. Break up your uncultivated ground. 
It is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness on you. That, that idea of breaking up your uncultivated ground has an image of, of taking ground that, that needs to be planted and breaking it up so it can become fertile again. And that's, that's a, a, an image of what your heart is like before the Lord. Not sacrifices, but personal submission to the Lord. You have plowed wickedness, harvested injustice, and eaten the fruit of lies because you have trusted in your way, in your way. In many warriors, all your fortresses will be destroyed. So in spite of your many warriors, forget it, you're, you're, you're going to be destroyed. So it will be done to you at Bethel because of your great wickedness. The king of Israel be destroyed. James 4.16, you boast in your arrogance as such boast, all such boasting is evil. Chapter 11, I've broken this down into four segments. God's love, great love for Israel is apparent for a disobedient child. When Israel was a youth, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. They kept sacrificing to Baals. I taught them to walk. I took them in my arms. They did not know I healed them, bent down and fed them. Remember all the things that happened in the wilderness, the water from the rock, the manna from heaven, the, the serpent on the cross. Look to the, the serpent and, and you will be healed. And then the promise of captivity because of the consequences for disobedience. Assyria, he will be their king because they refuse to return to me. The sword will whirl against their cities. My people are determined to turn from me. <clears throat> then from the same chapter, God will fulfill his promise to his children in the last day. My heart is turned within me. My compassions are kindled. The Lord, he will roar like a lion. His sons will come trembling from the west. I will settle them in their houses, declares the Lord. Yet their current sin is judged according to the character of God. Ephraim surrounds me with lies and the house of Israel deceit. There's both of them. Ephraim, the northern kingdom, um, also described as Israel, deceit. And then Judah is still unruly against God, even against the Holy One who is faithful. And 2 Thessalonians 5.24 reminds us, faithful is he who calls you and he will also do it. Chapter 12, Ephraim multiplies lies and violence, makes a covenant with Assyria, brings oil to Egypt. The Lord will punish Jacob according to his deeds. Now, this goes back to the history between Jacob and Esau. He took his brother's heel and he wrestled with God. At Bethel, he spoke the Lord, uh, God of armies. The Lord is his name. As for you, return to God, maintain kindness and justice, and wait for God. A merchant who holds false balances loves to exploit. That's called cheating your customer. Ephraim boasting, I have become rich, found wealth for myself. In my labors they will find no wrongdoing, which would be sin. I have been, I have been the Lord your God since Egypt. You'll live in tents again. I have spoken to the prophets and provided many visions. Through them I spoke in parables. There is injustice in Gilead. They are worthless. In Gilead they sacrificed bulls, and this is an actual stone altar left over from those ancient days. 
By a prophet, the Lord brought Israel up from Egypt. That's referring to Moses. And he was protected. Ephraim has provoked God to bitter anger, so his Lord will leave blood guilt on him and bring his disgrace back to him. Chapter 13, Ephraim exalted himself by Baal. He incurred guilt and died. They sin and make idols of silver and say, kiss the calves. They will be like chaff, quickly blown away. I have been the Lord your God. There is no Savior beside me. Their heart became proud and they forgot me. Like the lion, the leopard, and the bear, I will devour you. It is to your own destruction, Israel, that you are against me. The guilt of Ephraim is stopped up. He will not. He is not a wise son. Shall I redeem them? Death, where are your thorns? Sheol, where is your sting? Sound familiar? We'll see that in a second. Compassion will be hidden, and because of rebellion against God, they will fall by the sword. And I believe lastly here, return to the Lord. And this is a, a, a summary again. Return to the Lord. Say, take away guilt. And receive us, Assyria will not save. But in you, O Lord, the, the orphan finds mercy. I will love them, for my anger has turned away. I will be like the dew of Israel. His shoots will sprout. Those who live in his shadow will again raise grain. Ephraim, from me comes your fruit. And then this, this beautiful poetic ending, whoever is wise, let him understand Whoever is discerning, let him know. And this is speaking to you in your heart. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous will walk in them. The wrong wrongdoers will stumble. Takes us to 1 Corinthians 15. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, we know that no prophecy comes to us by man but by men through the through um, the holy spirit spoke from god and in the last day every knee will bow so if you have not repented like i've been describing these last weeks find out what that entails find out what your heart needs don't be afraid to talk to somebody the the, the leaders of this church are commissioned to watch over you, to have watch care over you. And, and it's their burden to be available to, to you for whatever your need is. If you're dealing with a sin, if you're dealing with some kind of oppression, if you're dealing with the lack of repentance or understanding, uh, go to your leaders and, and talk to them. It'll, it'll bring great joy to them. And that's right out of the book of Hebrews. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to get through this lesson today. I pray that that um, your words will penetrate every heart according to every need. And that true submission will be the byproduct. And the growth of this church will bring a blessing to uh, her leaders and to the community, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.